Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for March 5th, 2017. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Kind of a rainy day here in Central California, but it's starting to warm up. And I'm sure that it's all relative to location across the country, but it's starting to warm up. Indeed, we're starting to think about our gardens for for those of us who have gardens and have, I was going to say green thumbs, um, but nobody's an expert. Nature is the expert. And I was looking at my raised beds. You know, I I built some, got some redwood planks about 10 years ago, and the planks are um, about 12 inches wide and 20 feet long, a couple of inches thick. And I made, uh, <clears throat> I put the hardware cloth. That's um, it's not really a cloth, but it's a it's a wire like, um, maybe half inch mesh, three feet, four feet, yeah, yeah, four feet wide, several hundred foot rolls, and I put that underneath on the ground uh, to prevent gophers from digging underneath the uh, raised beds and getting in there. Of course, somehow they. <laughs> They figure out how to get in there anyway, but so I built these raised beds, and uh, I use uh, screws, wood screws, to put it together, and I did a double, a double layer on top of each other, so it's about two feet high, and. Uh, did it in an area that's um, used to be a corral. Previous owners had a couple of horses. In our area of the foothills, there's quite a few uh, horse owners. And um, people go riding. Uh, it's, it's not an urban area in the foothills. Uh, of course, we didn't have horses, so we I used, they had a big fence that they had built around their corral and they did have a stable for two horses in there so I used the stable for my gardening supplies and equipment and I built uh, raised beds about a dozen of them in fact four feet wide and 20 feet long in this enclosure and the first thing I did was to I hired someone to come in to level the ground to the area. Um, and so I was thinking about preparing the ground for these raised beds and the importance of a foundation. And I was reminded of this because I was reading an article in a Buddhist um, collection of stories where uh, and I'm looking at this very short article here. It's called. It's about dyeing the cloth. This is where in the east uh, they they use the methods to dye a cloth in the river stream, and they, these are 
uh, and the article starts out and says, the Buddha wanted us to get our foundation in good shape first, clear and clean. Uh, if you're building a house or a building, you have to inspect the ground, the area where you're going to put up the building, see it's in proper shape. And if you're going to dye cloth, if you dye, want to dye a piece of cloth, you have to look it over to see that it's all nice and clean. Because if it's dirty and you, you you have to make sure it's all clean, then the color will set into the you know in the dye there. Uh, in other words, you have to wash it sometime clean, and then it will take the dye. And it's the same with the karma that we create with our actions. We have to make sure that our intentions and our mind is clean to get the right impression. Okay. Uh, so with everything in all kind of ways, the foundation has to be properly made. Okay. Uh, and then everything will proceed, you know, okay. So this is one of the lessons at the heart of the Buddhist teachings. Uh, and experience is the best teacher. <laughs> Yet fools learn by no other, it is said. And I leveled, I had the ground leveled where I built my raised beds, but then I slap dashed the, the boards together and everything, but I should have used a level and make sure the ground was really level. Because if you don't do this when you're building any kind of a, anything truly, if it's not your foundation is not level, you're gonna you're gonna pay a price for it down the road. You know, if it's a little bit off, then you, of course, in the case of a, a raised bed, you put all the dirt and soil amendments inside and that's pretty heavy, and there's a lot of pressure on the boards, and gravity is the strongest force around. And eventually, since the foundation and the ground is not completely level, it's a little off. That puts undue pressure on certain parts of the raised bed. Corners are going to come apart. And, uh, it's, you know, it might last a few years, but... The more off, uneven the levelness was, the quicker it will happen. And then you're going to either have to start all over again or you're going to have to put some brace, corner braces and and uh, repair your raised bed. And you can imagine what will happen if you're building a, a, some kind of a structure, you know, a building. Uh, you better make the foundation properly okay and this led me to think about um you know it applies in education in someone's life um when i graduated grammar school in illinois and chicago we didn't have junior high we had k through eight and then four years of high school but at our grad elementary school graduation in eighth grade they asked my father to give the the uh, graduation talk 
And I remember him talking about telling this sort of classic story about proper foundation. And the story he told was that uh, a rich man wanted to, he, he found out about penthouses. He says, oh, the rich people, oh, yeah, he, I want to live on a penthouse. So he got an architect and general contractor, and he says, okay, build this house here. And, you know, and he, they designed it and everything. And he says, yeah, and he paid special attention to the penthouse. Then when actual construction started, he stopped by the site to see what, how they were doing, and they were digging a hole in the ground. And the man said, hey, I want a penthouse way up there. You guys are going, you guys are digging in the ground. And this is sort of a simplistic example, but it was explained to him, well, if you want a proper structure that, you know, and you put a penthouse on the top, you have to learn about proper foundation. The moral is, if you want a good life, get a job and be have you know you need to have a good foundation which many times is education so in elementary school you're, you're providing a good foundation and all teachers I remember a teacher kindergarten teacher um, and uh, she was very good she provided a nice, friendly class atmosphere. And she was very aware that she wanted to make with these beginning young kindergarten students that school education was a positive atmosphere, that they had that good foundation. Okay. Um, and so... How do we get this kind of a good foundation? Well, I think for one's individual spiritual growth, sometimes we need to start fresh, start from scratch. And this is how interesting my mind and associations, my mental processes work. So yeah, you gotta, you've got to um, uh, sometimes get rid of preconceived notions about how do you go about something like this in terms of learning something and start from the beginning, no shortcuts, but I want a nice foundation for my own life, my spiritual growth and so forth. Start fresh, start from scratch. And I was jotting these notes down. I said, what does scratch mean? <laughs> you know, sort of an etymology of the origin of words and slangs, phrases and quotes. So, you know, this is kind of very interesting. I go and Google in, hey, where's the phrase starting from scratch originate? And then I thought, you know, and you, you, you learned that it was from sports and that you scratched the, a lot, you scratched the line on the ground and just say, hey, you start right here. <laughs> you start from the scratch right there. And then, of course, it started to get used in a lot of other contexts. Okay. Make a recipe or some... Uh, meal from scratch you got to start fresh and uh, so this was very interesting and um, behooves us to 
sometimes not think that we know a lot. We want to start from scratch. Okay? And it's the things that we know that get in the way and interfere or or condition us so that we, we don't have a fresh look on things. And so don't look for shortcuts because <laughs> if you're not experienced um, and you don't have, if you're building something, better make sure, or, or even Daniel Boone, it just flashed in my mind this association. Daniel Boone's known for the phrase, hey, make sure you're right. Then go straight ahead. Um, be very clear of your whys. Why? If you know your why, the hows will take care of themselves. Huh? Or sometimes I used to say, hey, I read a quote that says, um, if you want to go north, well, you better make sure your cart is not facing south <laughs> or something like this. Sometimes we want to, we get excited about some project or something and we want to hit the ground running. Get right into it. But we better make sure that our foundation, and if we know about that concept about foundation, importance of foundation, I think it can transfer and generalize to a lot of activities and so forth. But this is what sort of blossomed out in my own mental associations that I was thinking of looking out at my raised bed in my garden Okay, and I just kind of uh, off the top of my head sharing that with you today. I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse. Uh, sometimes we have um, uh, what we call uh, taped messages where, and we want extras in case in the future uh, we have the need for a Dharma glimpse. Okay. And so we have a couple of uh, extra Dharma glimpses taped, pre-taped, and uh, and uh, so I'm going to use one of those today. And it was given by uh, lay minister Douglas Sanyo. And whenever I think about the name Douglas in his group, you know, each group is about five, six students and they stay together two years they every week they get together in a tele group teleconference and they discuss their written reports over the assigned readings and so forth and they get a lot of nice dialogue and nice mini sangha this is a very important interaction aspect and i remember one one of the participants told douglas you know your name I don't know, that topic somehow was about this. Douglas. And um, Douglas. <laughs> Less Doug. Less ego self-centeredness. More Dharma. More the teachings. Okay. Even your own name can be a motivating Douglas. <laughs> you know, these are the fascinating kinds of sharing that you get among the different these class members, and uh, I think that's a tremendous source of kind of a spontaneous, fresh, alive foundation in which to proceed for your spiritual growth and learning. So let us, without further ado, 
I'm told I'm told that the title is Living in Oneness. Good morning. We live in very diverse times and every day we observe and experience many changes that are that are in our lives and in the lives of others and in the greater aspect of the world around us. It takes great determination and an open heart to achieve the goal of nurturing our own perfection and being a force of positive and enlightening change in our lives. This is called living in oneness, and living in oneness is done by being realistic of our goals, our thoughts, and our actions. It's simple, I think it's simply living skillfully, experiencing every single moment that we have and making it unique and seeing the wonder that's all around us. Being skillful in our thought, words, and deeds leads us to leads our, us to a better understanding of ourselves, and being a, a greater contribution to those around us, and by far the world in large. Really, living in oneness is being is always being done through every single moment. Every moment is unique, and it's through our practice of mindfulness and allowing ourselves to live and think in positivity and loving kindness that we naturally change our own life and that of the lives of others. I'm often reminded just of times in my own life where the skillful insight has always led me to a greater understanding of myself and a greater understanding of the world around me. And it's everywhere if we only take the time to sit back, relax, be observant, use our mindfulness, and use our own perfection inside of us to see that greater ability and the greater world around us. Thank you very much. Have a brilliant day. Yes, indeed. I was thinking living in oneness means living skillfully uh, being skillful in how we live but this is too broad of a common statement, isn't it? We have to say, being skillful in how we live each moment. I think we need to emphasize that. The point was made in the Dharma Glimpse. And um, <clears throat> this requires a certain, I think, well, uh, thinking about time, past, present, future. What is the Buddhist uh, you know, conception or treatment of how they consider time? And, of course, we put a high premium on the present moment. Why is that? Well, it's sometimes said the past is gone, the future not here yet. What we got is the present. And that might seem, you know, like a no-brainer. But how often without our awareness, without our solid foundation, if you want to put it that way, we let the past interfere so that we don't start from scratch. Or how hopes or fears of the future might come in and contaminate the present moment. Thinking too much of that penthouse we got to take care of what's making the foundation right now. That's the job. Okay? 
Um, and it said, it is said, if you really, present moment, that's all you have to do. You know, everything else will be okay. Everything will turn out good. Always take care of the present moment. And of course, in the next nanosecond, it's a new present moment. Okay, it's an eternal now. Um, another great metaphor that I like is uh, actually this was a book called I think it was a book on writing. I think writing down the bones was the title. Uh, by a Buddhist writer, and she was giving advice to aspiring writers. But in one chapter, she used the metaphor about uh, driving in the dark, and you're on a journey, and you're, and you're driving down the highway. You have your car headlights on, and you know... Um, it's only so many yards. You can see the road only so many yards ahead as far as your headlights shine. But you can make the whole trip. That's the way you make the whole trip that way. Even though you can only see what's right in front of you, short distance, but you see in the next moment, it's <laughs> wow. Sometimes you might... One example of getting messed up is well, gee, how far have I come? Start thinking about the past and things. Or, gee, I'm not sure. I can't see. I want to know further on down the road. I'm kind of worried about it. I can't see down there, and I'm concerned about it, where I'm going. If you just take care of it, you stay on the road from where your headlights show, take care of your whole life. By taking care of this present moment. Now, I didn't have any thoughts about the importance of this kind of thing, but I remember once I was um, in an interfaith presentation to a group of uh, Presbyterian ministers. Uh, it was kind of a seminary type of a thing, but they were all uh, experienced clergy. Now this is a pretty, this is a, this means that this is an audience that and it was a workshop type, it was a, you know, it wasn't formal presentation but we were talking back and forth and and during the Q&A one lady asked me I can't remember the exact question, it was either as a Buddhist, what is your anchor? Or it might have been what is the anchor for Buddhists? What is the you know religious anchor? Now I had ne- I had never been asked this particular question in that form. Now if the question had been asked like what is one of the basic teachings in Buddhism or something like this, maybe my answer would have been different. Okay? And the thing about Q and A is that it's it's not you're prepared lecture or presentation, but it's something that is very much alive, very dynamic. 
came out of my mouth was, I said, oh, the present moment. That's all I said. That's, that's what came out. I didn't plan this. And the person nodded her head. And that, you know, and then you know, some workshop seminars going on. And I thought about it afterwards, this particular Q&A, question and answer. And I said, why did I say that? Where did that come from? And so I elaborated in my own mind, gee, you know, what does that mean? What kind of answer was that? And uh, I said to myself, hey, that's a pretty good answer. Well, what, you know, and of course you'd have to unpack it if you were going to elaborate on why, what does that mean, the present moment? And some of the elaboration could be what I was talking about now. Okay. Um, so living in oneness, you see, the, this oneness is something very dynamic, present moment. You see, the road is changing as you're you know, going along, um, and you better be driving is a full-time job. You better be paying attention to what's going on right in front of you. Now, of course, you have to know your why in terms of your goal, your final destination. You got that all set. Travel. You better be present-centered. So these were some of my thoughts. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, indeed, keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.